Good morning. Welcome to Stony Creek United Methodist Church. I am Pastor Michael. I'm very happy to see you all here on this Palm Sunday. Um, I want to first give a, a thank you to everyone who was involved in helping but also attended the celebration of life yesterday for Virginia. Um, it was awesome. It, it was, I, I don't have words. Um, to be honest, the, the, especially with the music at the end, that has got to be one of the most true celebrations of life I have ever been a part of. So thank you all uh, for however you were a part of that. Um, I, think, uh, I think we did her proud, and I don't think she'll be, uh, I don't think she was disappointed. So a um, couple other quick things. Uh, this is Holy Week, so there's a service this Thursday from Monday Thursday at 7 o'clock where we will be celebrating Holy Communion. Um, and then Good Friday, there will be a 7 o'clock evening service here as well as a 3 o'clock afternoon service over at Macon. So if you can't make it for the evening service here, um, feel free to, to come out to Macon for the 3 o'clock there. They will welcome you with open arms, just as I know you will welcome any of them who come here for Monday, Thursday, or the Good Friday service uh, at 7. So, And then Sunday will be Easter. Um, but I'm going to check to see, do we have other announcements? He said, ha-ha. <laughs> well, it's, it's nice to be back, although it was nice in Florida until it hit 91 that Saturday. Um, sure, the most important announcement, I think, is after the service next Sunday, bring the children, bring the grandkids, nieces, I don't care, bring nieces, nephews. If you want to go out and hunt for eggs, that's fine, too because we'll have the Easter egg hunt outside. And no, there is no candy in the Easter eggs because there is enough high potent energy in those children. They don't need any more chocolate. Um, there is a sign-up sheet in the back for the next gathering um, for lunch. It's going to be on Wednesday, April 26th at the Olive Tree at 11.30. And then before I forget, because I will, uh, next Sunday, we have got the flowers coming. There will be tulips and hyacinths, and there's a third one that I can't remember. But um, they will be here. If you didn't have a chance to order um, ahead, we have extras so that you can just go ahead and um, put an envelope in the offering plate with $15 in it and uh, pick up your flower after the service. So I think that's all. I think did it. We will, we will have Perfect. Easter worship, and we will have the egg hunt blast, and then we will circle back for a time of breakfast fellowship. I know a number of you have signed up for fruit or baked goods or whatever. If you feel like bringing something great, doesn't have to be a large quantity, and we will be providing uh, juice and milk and coffee along with a uh, breakfast casserole containing eggs, hash browns, other goodies, scrambled eggs, I think sausage links. So bring something in small quantities to share and that will be great. A few of you have signed up for our setup, which will be Saturday early afternoon, I believe. So I will circle back with you and it'll be fun. All right, anybody else? 
for the good of the cause. Awesome. Well, that is some of the, the work, the ministry, the fun that we have here. If you ever have any questions about any of the stuff you hear us talking about, please uh, don't hesitate to reach out to the person who is talking about it, or uh, if you can't hunt them down, find me, and I will do my best to answer questions or get you connected with the person who can. Um, I'd like to ask you now to turn your hearts and minds to a time of worship and praise, and we're going to turn things over to our praise band to get us started this morning. Our first song is an anthem we will share for you, and no need to stand, but go ahead and take a red folder near you in the pew, and we will stand for our second song. Our first anthem is Hosanna to Jesus the King. As we were just hearing, as Jesus entered Jerusalem, the crowd shouted, Hosanna to Jesus the King. And they hoped he would be their king, the promised Messiah, and free them from Roman rule. But we now understand that Jesus came to be a different kind of king, forgiving sins, bringing salvation, and teaching us to love others as he first loved us. So let's sing now and stand together and sing about how Jesus can reign in our hearts over every thought, over every word, 
May my life reflect the beauty of my Lord. You are the Lord of all I am, so won't you reign in me again?
through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Let our hosannas to the one who brings liberation take form in our tithes and our offerings. Rise as you are able and join us in our doxology number 95 in our hymnal. God of all good gifts, we thank you for showing us how to care for each other. 
May these gifts lead to great feasting for those who have no banquet set before them. May these gifts build shelters and places of prayer for those who are homeless. May these gifts proclaim your desire that all your creation live in peace. Give us grateful hearts, O God, in the name of the one who came to draw all people to himself, Jesus Christ our Savior. Amen. You may be seated. It is now a time for all of God's children. Remember, you are all God's children, so everyone is invited to come up and hang out. Okay, how are you guys doing this morning? Not out of this one. I, I have had some coffee, though, this morning. So this month, we are learning about the resurrection. Jesus gives us new life to have faith and to follow him. What do you guys know about Jesus' life? What do you remember from, from stuff you've learned in Sunday school? Yeah. Just, just what, do you, what do you know about stuff in Jesus' life? Uh, he was in a cave. Yeah. Yeah. He was kind to people. He was very kind to people, yes. Did he heal people? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Did he bring somebody back from the dead? Lazarus, you guys remember that story from yeah. a couple weeks yeah, ago? Somebody, uh, All right, so I want to read you a story called Palm Sunday, and I want to show you the pictures first. There's Jesus, and he's riding on a donkey, and there are some other people, and can you see what, what this lady's holding in her hand? It is. It's a palm branch or a palm leaf. Okay, so... Jesus and his friends were walking to Jerusalem. As they passed a small town, Jesus stopped. Go into this town, Jesus said to two of his friends. You will see a donkey. Bring the donkey to me. I will ride it into the city. If anyone asks you why you are taking the donkey, tell them that Jesus needs it, and he will send it back soon. So the two friends went to find the donkey. They brought the donkey to Jesus. The friends took off their coats and laid the coats across the donkey's back. Jesus sat on the donkey and rode into the city. When the people in the city heard that Jesus was coming, they ran to see him. Some people spread their coats on the ground. Some people waved palm branches as they followed behind Jesus and the donkey. Many people shouted, Hosanna! So I wonder... The people celebrated Jesus by waving palm branches. How do you guys celebrate really great things? Um, doing, uh, I don't know, actually. Victory dance. Victory dance? Okay. What about you? What was the question? How do you celebrate things? Especially really big, important things. Okay. 
Do you guys ever have parties to yeah. celebrate big things? I'm yeah. In okay. my bedroom too, so I can have parties. All right. Can you guys can you guys do a repeat after me prayer with me? Yeah. Dear, God, Dear God, we welcome Jesus. We welcome Jesus as we celebrate, as we celebrate all he has said and done. Amen. All right, today we are, no, because today we're doing Holy Communion, so we'll do the Lord's Prayer later. So if you guys want a sucker, go ahead and grab one, and then off to Sunday school. All right. If the rest of you would rise as you are able and join me in our next hymn number 278, Hosanna, Loud Hosanna. seated. Now is a time that we lift before God and God's people the things that, that weigh upon our hearts and our minds as well as those that give us cause for great celebration. Do we have any joys and concerns we'd like to lift up this morning? I'd like prayers for the people in Arkansas and Mississippi that were affected by the tornadoes. I understand there was 10 tornadoes through that area, so they need our help and prayers. 
Um, Dorothy Newman is still in the hospital at St. Joe's, and she doesn't know even when she's going to come home or where she's going to go. Um, I talk to her quite a bit. She calls me, and I call her, but she's very bored and lonely. So I put her phone number up on the bulletin board, and if anybody feels like they'd like to call her, I'm sure she would appreciate it. And we need to keep her in our prayers. I have spoken with the uh, person who is going to be her legal guardian, um, and she is working very diligently right now to try and secure um, a place for her to go uh, when she's released from the hospital. So um, I asked if she would keep us updated. So as I learn more information, I will pass it along to all of you. I talked with um, my son, Nick, and his wife, Stevie, this week, and her father, actually her stepfather, Tom, uh, they thought he had a stroke, but he actually has an infection that went to his brain, and he got transferred to U of M. He seems to be doing a little bit better. In the meantime, his mom has had some kind of breakdown of some sort, and she's in Auburn Hills at a facility for the next 10 days. So prayers for them and their family and the future. It's me again. Um, just an update on Margie Myers Garcia. Uh, from the talk we had with Bill about a, four or five days ago, they have moved Margie from the hospital to a rehab facility. So the hospital couldn't do any more for her. She's in rehab, but definitely still needs prayers. There's a lot of work to be done on her leg. And um, so this prayers for Margie. Uh, Leon is home after a month away and doing, I hope, better. I don't know. He's going to dialysis. Um, so I need prayers for him because he's kind of grouchy. I need prayers for me because I'm dealing with the grouchy one. <laughs> if you want to give him a ring, he probably won't answer. But if you put him in your thoughts, it will be great. Um, we're starting dialysis with Mama's Wheels this Monday, so we'll see how it goes. You made him that way. I do want to add uh, to the prayer request that Dave lifted about um, the tornadoes. There were also uh, several lives lost in parts of Illinois and a few other places as well. So um, let's expand that to, to everyone affected by the storms and tornadoes in the last couple days. If you would... Uh, turn to hymn number 393, Spirit of the Living God, for our invitation to prayer.
For our prayers this morning, I invite you, if you would uh, so choose, when you hear me say the words, God of mercy, I invite you to reply, hear our prayer. Our Savior comes to us humbly, riding a donkey and proclaiming a message of peace. Let us pray for the church, for earth, and all its creatures, and for all people in need, saying, God of mercy, hear our prayer. That Christians hear and share the word of God as true disciples. God of mercy, hear our prayer that all ends of the earth receive the words of the King of Peace. God of mercy, hear our prayer, that all leaders of church and state prefer humble service to empty power. God of mercy, hear our prayer, that all people live with gratitude for the gifts of nourishment, friendship, family, trust, patience and hope with the courage and wisdom to change whatever fails to be life-giving. God of mercy, hear our prayer. That those who see the cross starkly revealed in their lives draw strength from the name that is above every other name. God of mercy, hear our prayer. That we might live with gratitude for our ancestors whose faith and witness have nourished our own, that all who mourn today will be comforted, and that we who hope to greet Jesus when he comes again will be ready and filled with joy. God of mercy, hear our prayer. That all of those in need of healing, including Dorothy, Tom, Margie, and Leon, that they would feel your healing touch, that the Holy Spirit would move and live within them. God of mercy, hear our prayer. That all of those who have been affected by the storms and the tornadoes that have moved across parts of our country in the last few days, for the lives that have been lost, for the lives that have been forever altered, We pray, God, that you would empower and enliven us to go out to do the work that we are called to do to help and support our brothers and sisters in Christ in their greatest hour of need. God of mercy, hear our prayer. God, our creator, you show your sons and daughters the ways to freedom through the gentle obedience of your son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. If you would please join me in our prayer for illumination. Let your word, O God, break open our hearts this day through the power of the Holy Spirit that we may enter into the coming Holy Week with the same mind that was in Christ Jesus. Amen. As I was uh, sitting and listening to uh, Pastor Michael, 
and he was talking about how we celebrate. I was, <laughs> I was thinking of the parents and grandparents because this last week was spring break, <laughs> so children were home, and they are doing the happy dance. They're back to school, back to port. I'm sorry, Tammy. Not much break for you, but we're thinking of you. <laughs> All right, now let us, uh, I'm going to be reading from Psalm chapter 31, 9 through 16. Be merciful to me, Lord, for I am in distress. My eyes grow weak with sorrow, my soul and body with grief. My life is consumed by anguish and my years for, by groaning. My strength fails because of my affliction, and my bones grow weak. Because of all my enemies, I am the utter contempt of my neighbors and an object of dread to my closest friends. Those who see me on the street flee from me. I am forgotten as though I were dead. I have become like broken pottery, for I hear many whispering, terror on every side. They conspire against me and plot to take my life. But I trust in you, Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hands. Deliver me from the hands of my enemies, from those who pursue me. Let your face shine on your servant. Save me in your unfailing love. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. And if you will join now in singing our next hymn, The King of Glory Comes, it's in the black book, number 2091. be seated. Our second scripture reading for today comes from the Gospel of Matthew, the 26th chapter. You can find this beginning on page 985 in the Bibles and the pews. We are looking at verses 14 through 35. Um, I will be reading from the Common English Translation, 
uh, but it should match up pretty close with uh, the NIV translation, which is what our Bibles in the pews have. Then one of the twelve, who was called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, What will you give me if I turn Jesus over to you? They paid him thirty pieces of silver. From that time on, he was looking for an opportunity to turn him in. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and said, Where do you want us to prepare for you to eat the Passover meal? He replied, Go into the city to a certain man and say, the teacher says, my time is near. I'm going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your house. The disciples did just as Jesus instructed them. They prepared the Passover. That evening he took his place at the table with the twelve disciples. As they were eating, he said, I assure you that one of you will betray me. Deeply saddened, each one said to him, I'm not the one, am I, Lord? He replied, the one who will betray me is the one who dips his hand with me into this bowl. The human one goes to his death just as it is written about him. But how terrible is it for the one that betrays the human one? It would have been better for him if he had never been born. Now Judas, who would betray him, replied, it's not me, is it, Rabbi? Jesus answered, you said it. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed it, broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body. He took a cup, gave thanks, and gave it to them, saying, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, so that their sins may be forgiven. I tell you, I won't drink wine again until that day when I drink it in a new way with you in my Father's kingdom. Then, after singing songs of praise, they went to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Tonight you will all fall away because of me. This is because it is written, I will, hit the, I will hit the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will go off in all directions. But after I'm raised up, I'll go before you to Galilee. Peter replied, If everyone else stumbles because of you, I'll never stumble. Jesus said to him, I assure you that before the rooster crows tonight, you will deny me three times. Peter said, even if I must die alongside you, I won't deny you. All of the disciples said the same thing. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. If you would please join me once again in an attitude of prayer. Healing God, your unconditional love and grace freely given are what help us through even the darkest days and times in our lives. The sacrifice of Jesus brings light to those times, and the presence of the Holy Spirit brings us comfort and warmth in our hearts. Help us to never run from the challenging truths about our faith story, and help us instead to embrace the healing love that Jesus offers to us and to all. And now may the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts together in this place, be pleasing in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, hello again to you all, both to those of you here in person with me and to those joining our worship time electronically over the internet. I pray that as we continue to move through this season of Lent that you have found some value in our sermon series, Heart to Heart Talks. It is no great revelation that 
that we tend to remember those important heart-to-heart talks that we have throughout our lives with people who hold important meaning for us. Whether engaging in a dashboard confessional with a child or parent, carrying on an early hours dialogue with a trusted friend, or, or even just holding what ends up becoming a, becoming a life-changing series of moments over a video call with the one that we love. These are all the kinds of heart-to-heart talks that become imprinted upon our lives. They tend to influence the direction our lives take, and at the very least, they can be found at the core of many significant life decisions. Throughout this series, we've been focusing on some of the conversations that we find in the Gospels between Jesus and then some other individuals. And these are not just any conversations, but rather those that that seem to prompt us to asking questions about our own relationship with Jesus. These conversations that people have with him vary from person to person. For some, they're just seeking answers to their deepest questions about life. For others, the individuals make claims about their faith in God and their faith in Jesus. Still others are simply people coming to engage in a discussion to try and better understand just who this Jesus person actually is. And in all these conversations that people are having with Jesus, he continues to engage with them challenging them and exhorting them. Jesus' words make them stop and think, most often because his words are challenging something in the status quo and the traditionally held beliefs and ways of life. Jesus' words will frequently make us stop and think too, even still today, so many years later on. And as Jesus does this, in these conversations, he's opening new opportunities to learn and grow, both for those people he was speaking to then, as well as for us as readers today. One of the things that this series has caused me to wonder about is, if we were to be afforded a similar opportunity to engage with Jesus in dialogue, what would we ask him? If we could have a few moments of his time sitting somewhere in a public space where many of these conversations we've been reading about have taken place, what might we inquire of him? The fact that they are occurring in a public place versus a private discussion, how would that change what we might ask? And this wondering, of course, then leads to further wondering about just how Jesus might respond to our questions. Today on this Palm Sunday, a day in which we celebrate Holy Communion in in just a little while, we will join Jesus and his disciples as they are celebrating the Passover meal in what we now refer to as the Last Supper in this message titled, The Truth Hurts. I have a colleague in ministry who has a daughter named Lucy. Now, this colleague didn't enter into working in God's ministry until after Lucy was born. 
And so Lucy went to church for her first Holy Week service when she was about nine years old. And as the child of a pastor, like many other PKs, pastor's kids, that's what we, what we call them, her other parent was involved in the worship service, so she really only had the supervision of her 12-year-old brother during the service. And if you are a younger sister and have a slightly older brother, you know that that means you have no supervision most of the time. <laughs> The service that night is, uh, or was, what is called a tenebrae service. A tenebrae service, tenebrae being the Latin word meaning darkness, is practiced in many Protestant churches, and it's an adaption, or adaptation rather, of medieval Roman Catholic practices for each of the days of Holy Week, dating back to about the ninth century. For Protestants like us, a tenebrae service is typically held at night on either Monday, Thursday, or Good Friday. Now, in most Protestant tenebrae services, the story of the suffering and death of Jesus from John's Gospel is divided into 16 readings. After each segment of the story is read, a candle is extinguished. And then, after the 15th reading, which confirms that Jesus died on the cross, the last of the 15 lit candles is extinguished or taken away, and a loud sound called a strepitus in Latin, it's made to convey the sense of total loss of God's presence and the effect of the death of Jesus on the universe. The final story of Jesus' burial, the 16th reading, is read in near if not even complete darkness. After this final reading, worshipers leave in silence to ponder the impact of Christ's death and await the celebration of the coming resurrection. It has been many years since I've led or even attended a tenebrae service, but it is something that we might do together in the coming years in the future. Let's get back to Lucy, though, now. So just like other Protestant tenebrae services, the one that Lucy was in attendance for followed suit, where at the end of each passage of Scripture telling the Passion story, one of the readers would extinguish a candle and walk away into the congregation. For Lucy, it felt like the readers were disappearing like the friends who fled after Jesus was arrested. When the last reader spoke the words, he breathed his last breath, Lucy's mother carried the last candle, the Christ candle, out of the chancel and into a back hallway out of sight. The Christ candle is never extinguished. It is just removed to, again, signal this idea of God's presence being removed. And at this point, following tradition, the congregation departed in silence. When the choir came quietly through the same doorway from the chancel, Lucy followed, weeping as she went, and she found her way in the near darkness to her mother's arms. Excuse me. And choking back her tears and sobs, she whispered, Mommy, there, there are lots of sad things in the Bible, but this, this is the saddest out of the mouths of babes. You know, we, when we move too readily from the excitement 
of the Palm Parade to the joy of Easter morning. We miss that emotion, the commingled grief and regret felt by the disciples as they watched their teacher and friend marched off by the Roman soldiers to be tried by the religious authorities. When we make that move too quickly from the loud hosannas to the cries of, he is risen, we miss the moments of helplessness and fear the disciples experienced hiding in an upper room. And when when we do that, we end up missing the ways that the truth hurts. After supper on their last night gathered together with him, Jesus tells the disciples that one of them would, or I'm sorry, tells them that they would all desert him. And not just at some unpredictable time in the future, but rather that very night that they would all abandon him. And Peter speaks up and claims that even if everyone else runs away, he would never, ever desert Jesus. Can you imagine the rustling of their voices, all of them saying, Jesus, dear Jesus, not, not me, I would never. Of course, we know all too well, just as they would soon learn, that Jesus was telling them the truth. They would desert him, even Peter. Now, the uncomfortable truth in, in all of this is that many Christians struggle to accept and face is that this is a part of our faith story. This is not just on the disciples. This falls on us, too. We do what we do not want to do. We deny what matters to us. We behave in ways that do not represent what we believe or, at the very least, what we claim to believe. And all that time, we say right along with Peter, even though I must die with you, I will not deny you. This is part of our story. It's the truth, and the truth hurts. So given that reality, that challenging place that that we don't want to find ourselves in and facing, is it really not all that surprising then that we tend to fill our sanctuaries with shouted hosannas and alleluias of Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday, but we see less of a turnout for the services that fall in between those two special days. I know for some people they avoid attending a Monday Thursday service because they are worried that the pastor is not just going to tell them the story of when Jesus washed the feet of the disciples, but that that pastor may try to act it out with the congregation members getting their feet washed. For some people, that is a huge turnoff. And I have to admit, I tend to fall into that group. I'm not a fan of people touching my feet. I would like to think that I would have made that exception for Jesus, but I also acknowledge that it would not have been an easy place for me to arrive at. So I promise I won't do that to you on Monday, Thursday. And Good Friday? You mean that service that either looks like the tenebrae service I mentioned earlier, or at the very least that ends in the stripping of the altar, taking away all the uh, cloths and candles and everything else? 
Yeah, no thanks. That, that sounds like a real downer. Holy Week often fall, falls around the same time as spring break, as Barb mentioned earlier. And if you have children in school or if you work in a school, you know that spring break tends to be surrounded by exhaustion. The last thing you really want to do is go sit in the dark, hear a heartbreaking story of when a good man is abandoned by all of his friends when it seems like he would need them the most. If you are not physically or mentally exhausted already from spring break and all that it entails, do you really want to add being emotionally exhausted on top of all of that? But herein lies the problem with, with doing that, with avoiding participating in those services every year. And I'm not meaning to give anyone a guilt trip about not coming to church regularly enough. Please do not misunderstand my intentions. First off, I would never, ever, ever intentionally try to make anyone feel guilty or badly about how often they come to church. All doing that does is make people not want to come back to church. There are a myriad of reasons that people are not in attendance for every single worship service, and I make no judgments on anyone because of that, and I pray that no one else will either. Secondly, there are more than enough feelings of regret and guilt to go around during Holy Week. No one, no one needs more of them. So back to this problem or challenge of avoiding these types of worship services and, and these parts of our faith story. The challenge or the issue is that when we avoid the pain we also avoid the intimacy of those final conversations with Jesus. We end up avoiding the passionate expressions of love and loyalty and the understated response from the one who knows what will happen. Look at this story and the dialogue between Jesus and the disciples. He doesn't sugarcoat any of it for them. No, Jesus trusts them with the truth. Jesus doesn't leave out all of the stuff that comes in between the triumphant loud hosannas and the joyful discovery of a resurrected Savior. Now, some time has obviously passed since that first Holy Week experience for Lucy, who's now in her 20s, and, and she has participated in many services since then. And if you were to ask her, she would tell you that the Tenebrae service is her favorite service out of the entire church year. Whether she uh, participates as a reader or, or sits in the congregation, the stories of the passion move her and have formed her. They are a part of her faith story. They are a part of our faith story. One of the few things in this life that I can confidently promise to you is that we will all make mistakes and fall short. You may remember my very first Sunday with you all, the sermon I preached was about forgiveness, about how I know during my time here with you, I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to do something that will probably hurt or offend each and every one of you and it is not intentional, and I ask for your forgiveness, just as I promise to offer my forgiveness 
if and when those things are directed ever at me. It's just part of being human. Even despite our best intentions and efforts to do otherwise, we will still stumble at times. And Jesus knows that. Just like Jesus knew how the disciples would desert him. But even knowing that reality, both ours and the disciples, Jesus still loves us and still loves them. And that, my fellow beloved children of God, that is the truth that heals. Amen. I would like to invite you to find a red hymnal and turn to pages 15 and 16 as we prepare to celebrate Holy Communion. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Almighty God, creator of heaven and earth. In love you made us for yourself, and when we had fallen into sin and become subject to evil and death, your love remained steadfast. You bid your faithful people cleanse their hearts and prepare with joy for the Easter feast that renewed by your word and sacraments and fervent in prayer and works of justice and mercy, we may come to the fullness of grace that you have prepared for those who love you. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, Heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your son, Jesus Christ, whom you sent in the fullness of time to redeem the world. He emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in our likeness. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death on a cross. He took upon himself our sin and death and offered himself a perfect sacrifice for the sin of the whole world. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread broke it, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples, and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. 
Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and juice. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit and your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty God, now and forever. Amen. And now, with the confidence of children of God, let us pray the prayer that Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one loaf. The bread which we break is a sharing in the body of Christ. The cup over which we give thanks is a sharing in the blood of Christ. In the United Methodist Church, we practice open communion. What that means is that this table doesn't belong to me, to this church, to our denomination. This table belongs to one, one alone, and that is Christ. And he has invited everyone to come and partake. It doesn't matter if you're a member of this congregation or a member of any other congregation. It doesn't matter if you're baptized or unbaptized. It doesn't matter your financial or social standing. It doesn't matter what your race, your ethnicity, your sexual orientation or identification is. All those ways that we try to divide ourselves from one another, those boxes that we cram each other into, that's not what he sees. Jesus looks out and sees beloved children of God, siblings, and he has invited everyone to come and partake. All he asks is that you do so with an open heart. This morning we will celebrate communion as we have for the past few months. You will come forward, be able to take a, or be given a piece of bread, and then there will be a cup of juice or wine. Uh, you can choose whichever you would prefer. You can then take your elements one of two ways. There is called intinction, which is a big word that means you take your bread, you dip it, and then you receive your elements together. Your other option is to take your bread and then uh, drink your juice or wine. Neither one is more appropriate or more special. Neither one's going to get you a better grade on the report card because there isn't one. It is all good and right in his eyes. Brothers and sisters, the table has been set. Come and taste that God is good. body of Christ broken for you, the blood of Christ shed for you.
Eternal God, we give you thanks for this holy mystery in which you have given yourself to us. Grant that we may go into the world in the strength of your spirit to give ourselves for others. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. If you would rise as you are able for our closing hymn number 280 in the red hymnals, all glory, loud, and honor, we will be singing verses 1 through 4. Beloved children of God and cherished siblings in Christ, let the same mind be in you that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Look not to rewards and celebrity for your good deeds. Do unto others what will, nature, 
but will nurture God's will for them. Listen to the word of the Lord and believe. And now, dear friends, go in peace, assured of God's presence with you, with the mind of Christ Jesus as your path and guide, and the constant companionship of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you.